Welcome back into the show, everybody. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now, as he does every Friday, from the Crescent City, my friend, a lover of Cracklins, Gus Cattengale. Gus, when we chatted last week, you were, uh, of, uh, I don't know, what, three or four days into your uh, coronavirus positive uh, test results and uh, feeling a little under the weather. How you feeling now, man? How 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 did everything go? And uh, I, we, had, we had some listeners that called in last week after our conversation that were asking how you were doing, man. They were worried about you. So where you at? All right, let me try this again. Gus, are you there? Hey, my bad. Hey, All right, sorry, sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I was saying last week, you know, when we talked to you, you were a few days into your uh, COVID nineteen diagnosis, and you weren't feeling too good. Yeah. We had a we had some listeners that called in. I got a few emails. Some folks were concerned about you. Somebody emailed me uh, earlier this week and said, "Hey, how's how's Gus doing? Is he feeling all right?" So how are you feeling, man? It's awesome, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, other than me, obviously coughing just now, but <laughs> uh. actually, um, I'm good, man. I hit uh day 10 last monday and mrs went and got tested monday uh so she could get back to work next week just to double check and make sure that we actually went an entire week somehow without her getting it and she was negative and carver's cool and um everything's good man so uh i'm officially out of quarantine and we're good so but it's uh it, it was an interesting um experience obviously because it's one of those things like i tell you man you know um we, especially with what we do, we spend so much time, whether it's, uh, you know, looking at the news or paying attention to a different mm-hmm. stories and kind of seeing something that um, is a story or you hear other people have, and you kind of always wonder, you know, what is it like and, um, and for you to kind of go through it. And once you do, um, you can understand it better. So, you know, again, literally having been in a household where you have, you know, not not a very big house, but you have uh, a wife and a kid both at the same time, and um, you know, just literally wearing a mask, gloves, and making sure you don't touch a lot of things that they do. And apparently, it worked that way. So, uh, happy they didn't have to go through it and get it. And more importantly, a couple other family members that I came in touch with, in contact with the week before, um, they didn't get it. So. Uh, like I said, I, I definitely, I think, I understand a little bit more. And, and definitely, like I told you last Monday, it's uh, one of those things where it's impossible for people uh, to kind of make it political and, and say that you can stop it or anything. I don't care what letter you have in front of your name. Good luck trying to prevent something you can't see. Um, just got to try to minimize the contact. If you do, here it is. This is what you do, and you take care of yourself. So. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, like I said, you know, yeah, we're covering yeah. It from a sports well, I mean, Scott, standpoint. Yeah, and and look, and and it's funny because you know, covering from a sports standpoint, and then you're seeing what happened. You know, what was it yesterday? I mean, I'm sitting there just during the afternoon and evening. What a couple of baseball teams are postponing some workouts. I think Ole Miss is sort of doing that as well. You saw a couple of football games be postponed. Um, you know, and and it's not just like it's just certain parts. I mean. You know, you, South Florida's as big a school and campus and, and university as you can think of. And, you know, they go play Notre Dame. And because of some of their contacts up at Notre Dame, they now have to. So it's it's what's going to happen. And with the SEC starting tomorrow, Scott, you know, I mean, there's going to be a possibility probably that happens. I mean, look, we touched on it 
I think last Friday, you and I, too, you know, when, when Coach O comes out and says, well, yeah, pretty much everyone on the team's had, and everyone's like, I'm sorry, you know, and he wasn't very forthcoming with that and kind of took some people by surprise. So um, I don't know how you prevent it. I think you're going to get it um, or a very good chance of it, but uh, unless you have a, a complete bubble, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, that's why I thought it was hilarious with the face uh, covering fines in the NFL because – even the universities, Scott, are getting tested way more than you and I, um, and they're in a, a much more as close to a bubble environment as you can be with a lot of the football players. So even when you do get it, they put them in hotels and things like that, at least what Tulane's doing. Um, and in the NFL, they're getting tested every day. So uh, Sean Payton and and his staff and the team, when they're playing that game, they, they're not there if they have it. So I just – kind of funny to get and find a hundred thousand dollars when literally they know those people don't have it I and know. he did already have it so it's, it's nuts a, yeah yeah for sure uh the cajun's going to be without a, about a dozen players this uh this game tomorrow uh because of yeah. covid you know the team they're playing their first game of the season they were missing a third of their team not every single yeah. one of them because of covid but a lot whether it be a positive test or contact tracing so that's where it is you know with the pac-12 coming back and the big 10 coming back they're trying to play seven games in seven weeks and nine games in nine weeks between the two of them. Good luck trying to get all those yeah. in. The other P5s have a little <laughs> bit of wiggle room. Sunbelt has a little bit of wiggle room as well. But, um, you know, it's like football isn't immune to it, obviously, but it kind of remains undefeated in that uh, they're still playing. And uh, the Saints are going to be playing Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers, Gus. A lot of... A lot of hyperbole coming out of Sunday night's, uh, Monday night's loss to Vegas where the Saints looked really bad for quarters two, three, and four. And uh, a lot of discussion about Drew Brees and average net yards per pass and this and that. And that part of it um, isn't a concern to me because the last three seasons where the Saints won 37 games, they ranked at the bottom of the league in terms of average net yards through the year. What's concerning to me through two games, which – I haven't hit the panic button yet, but give it a few mm-hmm. more weeks. Is more or less the accuracy from Drew Brees right now? It's just not there. He laughed off the idea that you know um, he's quote lost it, and I kind of do too. I mean, I'm I'm not there right now, but uh, I think a lot of the national media is they're just they're just kind of all regurgitating the we'll throw it can't throw it down the field thing. But that's been true for years. I'm I'm more right. concerned about the accuracy through two games, and hopefully. Sunday night, we uh, we see it on point because they're going to need it to be when they play Green Bay. But wh- where are you at coming out of that loss to Vegas? Um, dumbfounded <laughs> would be a good way to sort of put it um, on on a, a certain aspects of it, right? So, you know, you, you've had Deuce Windham on from The Athletic. He's, he's good at his film study and mm-hmm. had a couple other people that done some some film study as well this week. And um, I always like to look at their opinions as to what they see, because that's kind of, you know, what they do and, and look at it from that perspective. And I thought it was interesting when I asked him, I said, especially Deuce yesterday on our show, I said, you know, when you went into that film looking at it, are you looking to see if Drew is struggling? Are you, are you just analyzing that game? Like any other game to see how it goes. And he's like, look, you just do it just like any other game. And it was still standing out. And I think what was, um, was, I wouldn't say troubling, but like I said, I, I'm just dumbfounded. It's one thing to look at the throws that are missed 
And even Sean Payton yesterday, when he addressed the media, he was like, hey, look, it's, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different reasons why this is happening. And, you know, it's timing and it's being on the same page. Or, you know, it's Drew mentioned earlier in the week, it, maybe it's new people and the route running. And, it, and, and, and Coach Payton's like, it's, it's spacing and it's timing and it's all of this. That makes sense, Scott, if you're a young team. And I, the reason why I say I'm dumbfounded is because, you know, Josh Hill in that pass that you've seen a hundred times where Drew misses, and it looks like he misses by 10 feet to the right. Josh Hill stopped running his route. Yeah, he did. He didn't continue his route. Um, so, and you can see Drew right afterwards with his right hand, he extends it to the right, meaning keep running. Um Josh Hill's been here mm-hmm. on two or three throws that breeze through to Jared Cook that didn't miss. Jared Cook's been here. They've connected plenty of times. He's made big plays. Um, other than Ruiz, who had to come in because Easton got hurt, the rest of the offensive line's been here. Um, so what kind of pocket does he have? And Drew Brees is talking about... On the interception, he didn't have time. He's referenced several times. You need the time to throw deep. You need the time to do that. So it's one of the first questions I asked our film study people this week. How was his pocket? How did the line play? And they all said he had actually a really clean pocket most of the time. You know, you look at the stats, and what was interesting was the Raiders had seven quarterback hits, I think five pass defenses, uh, four or five pass defenses, but no sacks on Drew Brees. He was never sacked, but he felt pressure he felt heat he was hit seven times that's either after the throw um or or yeah obviously because he didn't get sacked um and what so just like any quarterback scott that i guess that clock starts ticking in your head so if we're going to go that route and say well he's not trusting his offensive line that's why i'm looking was it a clean pocket was it not then that also was dumbfounding because, again, that's the same line. So they're not playing as well as he thought. Is McCoy not as good as they wanted? Um, Andres Pete hasn't had two good games. Is, is that a concern? And, and now you're looking at this week's injury report. You know, Armstead has a growing. You know, Pete took a knee in the game last week. Um, Easton had to go in and out. I mean, if, if, if that's the case already, that's, you know, that could be tough for this team to overcome with uh, – the offensive line already battling injuries the entire way. So I think when you look at it more and more, it's going to be very interesting to see um, where you move from that. But that's my point, that he sort of is just uncomfortable. And, and what's baffling is that I can I can understand Sanders, right? Sanders, you just brought him in. Last week going into the Raiders game, he kept saying, look, man, I'm just trying to figure out the formations. There's a lot in this offense. So – I understand timing, spacing with him. Everybody else is on this team, though. So, man, I, I've gotten, in trying to do my little reach-out text to certain people, man, I've gotten anything from they're running the wrong routes to Drew's frustrated to they're doing it on purpose because of the locker room ordeal. I mean, I've gotten so many things from people over there. And that's what's baffling. I don't think no one knows. It, it was the issue that it's just not feeling that way. But here's the thing, Scott. Last Friday, I was sitting there going against Tampa Bay. They should have scored 40 points. Mm-hmm. So they did okay. 
and 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 played. I think again, I felt good enough against a good Tampa defense. Um, and, and I think what what I'm trying to eventually come down to and back to, and we can get into specifics about some of the things that I saw with Breeze, but. Scott, I think it came down to I don't think they had the right mindset against the Raiders. I, I, I honestly think they just went in there, thought they were going to be the better team and won. I don't think they matched the intensity. I think on defense, Dennis Allen got outcoached by a better offensive game. It was a teacher versus people thing, right? I mean, to me, Sean Payton talked about his first office being a couch in John Gruden's office. And I think John Gruden, all those years, man, of being a Monday night footballer, going to all these teams' practices and hanging out with coaches and talking to players and doing film study with them, and now he gets to coach against them. He might, he might know a thing or two, you know, because I thought the game plan was perfect. It's easy to say Cam Jordan was a bum, didn't do anything that game. But if you look at it, I thought the game plan against him was perfectly. They run at him. They throw right behind them. They roll car out the pocket a ton. And the ball gets out quickly. You basically negate everything that came to her nuts. At the same time, Deuce Windham even brought it up. They had some defensive lineup formations where you put him basically nine yards away from the quarterback. Um, Oakland has a formation where they have a tight end way out there. And formation is based where Cam Jordan has to be outside of that tight end. But the tight end is three, four yards away from the line. So Cam Jordan's basically almost not even in the picture. That that's a dumb formation. It doesn't make any sense. On a couple of third downs, they he, they drop Cam Jordan in coverage rather than rushing him. So, I, I just think basically, you can blanket statement they bleep the bed. Um, they didn't have a good plan. They didn't adjust in the game well, and quite honestly, I don't think they matched the intensity. That was Marshawn Lattimore's problem. And talking to people this week and what I saw, I, I you know I don't think you would say he played terrible but he didn't exactly he, make plays he didn't play well you know you so know. he didn't play no well. and that's what i'm saying no i so i i it was just strange to me i'm just I, i'm dumbfounded because that's not what a veteran we want to win a championship team performs like if that makes sense and um but dude I, like i said some of those film clips and studies that you see man Drew Brees had first downs and touchdowns and windows. He didn't throw it. He didn't have the confidence to. He wasn't looking in certain directions. And it's just, it, like I said, I'm just dumbfounded because those are mostly guys that, that are there. And, and if it's a situation where the guys are having trouble with spacing and running a route, well, then the, the head coach has got to change the, you know, the plan. I mean, he's, he's dial it down if that's the case. But, you know, don't even get me started on the run game. So, I mean, um, there's a handful of issues. The thing that I take solace in, though, Scott, is I think he, these are all correctable. You know, like, very correctable. Making the right decisions, making the right reads, beating the person that you're playing against, the point of attack, um, catching the football, making the right decisions, calling a few more run plays to loosen up the defense because everyone's kind of stacked in the middle. But these are all things you can do and are correctable, and it's only week three. Gus Cattengill, our guest, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. Gus, um, you know, the Saints in primetime games under Peyton and Breeze are 9-3 and three coming off of a loss. They haven't mm-hmm. lost back-to-back games since the first two weeks of the 2017 season. They have responded well to losses. Um, and yet, 
when you have a 2-0 and Packers team coming in and Aaron Rodgers has looked great, albeit against the Vikings and the Lions, but he's looked great. Uh, you know, there's this, there's almost this like sense of, oh my God, if we fall to one and two, what about, like if you fall to one and two, your margin of error is a lot more slim than, than it's going to be early, you know, early in a season when you have the goals the Saints have. But I don't know. I mean, this, I, 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 I'm expecting, I don't know. I don't know if the Saints are going to win, Gus. I mean, I picked them in our pick em segment yesterday. They're a, a three point favorite. But I, I expect at least a game where the Saints come out with a little more uh, sense of urgency. Uh, they were so yep. lackadaisical. And look, Michael Thomas, we'll see if he practices today. Devontae Adams on the other side for the Packers, he hadn't practiced either. They were really missing Michael Thomas, by the way. Um, it goes without saying. But the Packers are just racking up tons and tons of yards. I um I, I don't I I think we're going to see a, a a a more just again more urgency from the Saints. Will that equal a win? I don't know, but I think it's going to equal better play on the field. But this is this is going to be a tough game Sunday night, man. How you feeling about this? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, talking to your audience this week on your show over there in New Orleans. Uh, so much of the focus, I think, for the first few days of the week was because they played on Monday night, was just about that Raiders game. But yesterday, folks kind of finally started to say, oh, God, well, wait, look what's coming on Sunday night. So, you know, I know you heard a lot from them yesterday. Where are you at with this game coming up Sunday? Oh, man. Uh, it's been an interesting week, you know. I mean, obviously, you knew what you would expect Tuesday. Uh, but even Wednesday, I mean, I, I jotted it down. 234 people call and one one caller said it's James time <laughs> which is why this week I I threw a simple question out you know I I said if you think you told Drew Brees and Drew Brees is the, the sole reason that they're not winning what benching him told the issue and you know that was real quick that some people didn't some people said yeah it's benching I'm like okay so if Sean and them are saying it's timing, it's spacing, it's guys running the wrong routes. Maybe they're doing it on purpose. Maybe not. Is a guy that doesn't know the offense going to help you? Um, and then that turns in, that turned into, well, what are we doing with Taysom Hill here? And so I, I think that was another element that you didn't see that I thought you would see with Michael Thomas out. Um, we've seen Taysom Hill line up at receiver line up in the backfield with Drew Brees, get shovel passes, things that nature. Um, I think a lot of people, Scott, probably with you as well, they, they want to see a, a bigger package of plays opened up for Taysom Hill. Um, if your quarterback can't throw the ball deep right now in Drew Brees, well, then maybe putting him in to throw some deep shots and open up the defense will work. It still doesn't change the aspect of it, though, that when Drew Brees is back there, that team is going to play a certain way right now. Um, so what I'm expecting or what I want to see out of this team is something that, I'm, again, I'm used to sort of seeing, and, and that's the team answering the bell and fighting back because it's crazy the difference a week makes, right? Uh, a week ago, you're sitting there going, you know, they, they, the Saints are who we thought they were, right? They go in, they play a good Tampa team. I think they should have scored 40 points. They made plays on defense. There's that deep secondary I was talking about. Uh, There was the run game I was hoping to see, 27 carries between the two backs, 15 for Murray. Kamara got his touchdowns. I mean, everything was exactly what I wanted to see. 
A week later, the world is ending. They're terrible. Breeze needs to be dead. So you have to kind of look at it with perspective. Um, now, that said, even though it's week three, God, I would say it's as big a big, you know, game three uh, as you can have based off of people's feelings and reactions based off of the performance that you just had. And more importantly, though, trying to kind of stay paced because, you know, I don't know about you. I watched that game Sunday night, you know, between uh, the Patriots and the Seahawks, and those two teams look really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Seattle looks really good. And guess what? Here's what's crazy about it. Cam Newton scores, they're one and one. Right? As good as they looked, they almost lost that game. As good as Russell Wilson played, the Patriots came back. And, and quite honestly, I thought they, I thought, I thought Cam Newton was going to score. He couldn't stop that play the entire game. They made one play on defense. You know, it's not they're one and one, but they're not. They're two and zero. Oh. So the Packers, they're two and zero. Oh. If they win, they're three and zero. Oh. You already tied with Tampa Bay. I understand it's early. He's got a lot of season, and it's remarkable the stat that was brought up this week, right? 2013, the last time this team was 2-0, and and yet they've won 13 games. So this team is still capable of doing that. I still think it's a 13-win team. they just got to play better. I, and that's what I'm saying. I thought they had the right intensity, the right mindset, the right everything against Tampa, and I think they – they played below their expectation. I don't think they thought Oakland was – I mean, Las Vegas was going to be that good, and – um, I think they got caught with their pants down and, and got uncoached on certain gameplays and didn't adjust. So I still think they're a good team. I'm interested to see almost how good Green Bay is, right? Minnesota's having a terrible season. They don't look anything like um, the Vikings teams we're used to seeing. And Detroit's just a bad football team right now. So how good is Green Bay? Um, and I think you're going to see probably at some point kind of stick in here and see where they are. So I, I think the Saints, I, I, I still don't see them winning, though, Scott. Um, I think Green Bay right now is playing better football. I think they make it close. But I, I think right now the fact that you kept hearing the word and phrase balance, 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 balance from LaFleur. We had sound with him, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and more importantly, Sean Payton yesterday constantly kept saying what you see with Green Bay on film is a team that has balance, balance, balance. I'm just throwing my hands in the air going, yeah, well, the Saints can as well. You're the play caller. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I think that's what I'm kind of more looking to sort of see. What adjustments does Sean Payton make um, to try to help this offense too? Because he has said that it's not just the players, that it that it is the play caller. And that they need to do better all, all the way around. So I think a kind of a close game, um, maybe a little bit of a shootout, kind of see uh, Green Bay pulling it out, and I hope I'm totally wrong. We'll see. Gus Catgill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Um, I want to get back to a point you made earlier about Drew Brees in Monday night's game and that he, was, he referenced um, pressure time. Uh, a couple of times in the post game, including, mm-hmm. you know, he's under pressure. He tried to throw, didn't get enough on it, just threw it straight to the linebacker for the interception. Straight to him, by the way. Um, but, like, you know, we, we had a caller earlier this week say it, he, he's lost his confidence. Uh, it looks like he's lost his confidence. 
I mean, Drew mm-hmm. Brees seems to be a pretty confident guy. He's the most accurate passer in NFL history, passing yards leader, touchdowns leader, all that. Is there is there something to that? Do you do you feel like his confidence is a little low right now, or was it just a bad night at the office? I think it was a bad night at the offense, but I also do think that they can you can still make that statement that you do lose a little bit of confidence. The only reason I would agree with that is because again, again on some of those um, screenshots and film studies, there's there's a couple of plays where um, normal Drew kind of tries to squeeze it through the window, and I think there's a couple of touchdowns there. Um, there's one play. There's two in particular that I think it's Jeff, no- Jeff Novak from uh, the Advocate yeah. and, and the Picayune that put up a couple of uh, screenshots, and it was two checkdowns to Alvin Kamara, and on both times, um, Garrett Cook's wide open. O- on one time on the near sideline, he's breaking towards the sideline, and Scott, there is nothing but green there. I mean that that's a you know, he's only 10 yards down the field, and if it's an out route, it goes as a 20-yard pass. Breeze can make that pass um, just if he just go by the 46-yard completion of Jerry Cook, okay? So he can make that pass. Um, he doesn't have to worry about arm strength. He can lollipop it 10 yards in front of Cook because ain't nobody there. You can, you can lead it to where Cook catches it and he's going out of bounds. You can throw it a little sooner when he catches it and he can turn up the sideline. I mean, but... My point is there's no one there doesn't even look there. Um, again, that's why I started out our chat by saying I, I'm bewildered because we're used to seeing what I call bobblehead doll Drew, right? We see his head go left, middle, right. Can you recall in that game his head going through the progressions? I, I don't. Um, and then there was another one where he checked down the Camara and over the red zone and Cook far sideline has gotten past his cornerback. There is a safety on the hash, but there is a pretty good window. And in the NFL, it's a, it's a big window. It's tighter than most, but it's there. And if he delivers, you know, Cook's at about the 10 yard line. If Breeze puts the ball at about the five or four, Cook may get hit as he catches it. I think he can get it before he gets hit. And then he's going to have to try to get into that end zone. But it looks like a touchdown. I mean, it, it definitely looks like a play that you've seen Drew put it in that window a hundred times. Never looked there. Took the check down. Um, I, I was surprised to hear him last week after the game and this week, um, you know, say that they, 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 they had two big plays dialed up for Manuel Sanders. They didn't do it. I, I, I'm hoping you're looking for more than two plays. And I think that's, that's the difference. And that's why fans, I think, are a little nervous, a little, uh, a little agitated by the fact that, you know, it, it's okay if, if, if the arm is not there, that's fine. But um, you can still try to go get some pass interference. But, I mean, you can't, there's, there's no risk or there's no way that it's going to get called if you're not even throwing the ball down the field. Um, you know, we're told over and over again that, Sean Payton is a formation guru and all. I mean, put three receivers one side, one on the other way, and get that one-on-one and just chunk it up there and see if they can go get it or not. So I, it, there's things that are happening that are just, they're, like I said, I'm bewildered. I, I can't understand. So I think it's both. I think, yes, you can have a bad night at the office. I do. But it wasn't just him having a bad night at the offense. You know, I mean, it was, 
it was like I mentioned, um, Josh Hill and others who have been there. They have they have been there for a while. Um, the, the one where he misses across the middle, Harris that was Draquan that was there for first down that was low and outside. A it went through his hands. The receiver didn't catch it. B um, Drew had a really clean pocket for a while, and Sanders is coming across the middle ten yards deeper. Doesn't look there. If he throws it ten yards in front of him, Sanders is catching that ball and going probably for a touchdown. And I'm talking about that third down play mm-hmm. where you've seen him move left, and then he throws it low to the right to Traquan. It goes right through his hands on the third down. He had a clean pocket. I mean, he didn't get pressure until the very right. What he saw was Johnny Abraham coming from the right side, and he still doesn't get to him until after he delivers the football. And one thing I brought up yesterday, I didn't see not only the bobblehead doll, Drew, where the head's moving everywhere, I didn't see a lot of that pump fake, um, which kind of tells me that he needs to get rid of the football quicker or sooner. He thinks he needs to get rid of, uh, rid of the football quicker or sooner. Um, but he pumps that over the middle, and he, and he sees, again, right in front of him, Sanders coming open right to left, that there is no one on the left side from the middle of the field to the sideline. And he just puts it out in front of him, you know, 20 yards down. That's an easy catch and run for a touchdown for saying never looked there. He was focused on the crossing route for the first down. And that's all. So I think when I say lost confidence is the eyes are not surveying and looking at the field as much as we're used to seeing, which means in his mind, and this is my deduction, things have sped up, Right. He doesn't feel he has the time to do it, but he missed Cook twice. He missed Sanders once. And, and, and those are the only examples that I saw that were presented. It might be more. And, and all of those things, Scott, what's troubling has nothing to do with arm strength. It's decision-making, and it's surveying the field. And this is a guy that has absolutely surveyed the field to, you know, to, to the ability that he could write a, a book on how you see things. So he's normal. He's, he's mortal, you know, I guess is, is the best way to put it. And that's why I say, if you're mortal, you can lose confidence. We've seen, you and I are baseball guys, right? We've seen Kershaw, you know, a Cy Young guy, a guy who's incredible in the playoffs get raped. We've seen, you know, great hitters, A-Rod, whatever in the postseason, just come up short. We see guys, we see LeBron shoot an air ball in the playoff game. It just happens. Sometimes confidence goes, and, and that zone is the opposite. You see players get in zones, and then right now, um, and in that game, Drew just didn't see the field, man. He didn't see the field. He felt pressured. He felt hurried. And by every account, it wasn't that bad a pocket that day. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a bad day at the office, and I also think there's a little confidence that needs to be regained. Gus Cagliel, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Great analysis, Gus. My final question to you is about number 13. Um, <clears throat> the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, 149 catches a season ago, dealing with the high ankle sprain. Uh, did not practice uh, yesterday. Saints didn't practice Wednesday, but they released you know their estimate report, like had they practiced, and he was a DNP. And if he's a DNP again today, I doubt we're going to see him Sunday night. Right. Did, did, is is did we underestimate how much they would miss him? Is that even possible when you're talking about a player of his magnitude? Like how much 
is some whether it be the confidence or the timing. How much is the offense out of sync when it's missing mm-hmm. its best player? Because he is the best player. We yes, you're missing him. Yes, he can be your best player. Um, and I, again, I go back to sort of my game plan, and you know, I'll use your word, maybe underestimating. Uh, to an extent to where you didn't game plan properly. I, You know, again, I, I'm probably 100% wrong. And people listening are probably going, dude, you're just wrong because you've been there. And I understand that. But um, there's things you can do, right? I mean, things Coach Napier would do. There's, there's things other coaches would do if they're missing a star player, a key player, to try to help um, offset that one way, shape, or form. And it's something that I, I brought up on Tuesday's show, and it's the term identity. Um what are you? What are the Saints? And, and I say that, and I think, Scott, you and a lot of your listeners are probably quickly going, well, they're passing offense. You're right. They are. But what's the identity? The identity of this offense is to spread the football around. The identity of this offense is based on number nine, period. It's why Marcus Colston, while he's going to the Louisiana Hall of Fame, didn't get the recognition nationally. He didn't have the numbers because they spread the football around. And, well, Drew Brees was still young and had an arm and moved in and out the pocket. Something else Deuce Swindon said that he also, you know, saw, observed. I mean, we don't see Drew ever leave the pocket. You know, we don't roll him out. Um, <laughs> you don't have to run like Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. You can call plays that move the pocket one way, shape, or form to help that. Um, you don't do that anymore. Um, but when Drew was moving and when Drew was younger, he, I mean, Scott, you've said this before. He turns average offensive linemen into better. Good offensive linemen into great. Seventh-round draft picks into team stars. Lance Moore, Pierre Thomas. I mean, a lot of these other guys um, were probably made better by his accuracy, by knowing he's going to football, doing those different things, right? We saw Jimmy Graham. He hasn't been the same Jimmy Graham since he left this offense. So it's one or the other. But this offense is based on nine. Nine executing. Nine being good. So... I keep bringing up identity based on this, Scott. It's easy to say, well, this is what they are. Okay, but what if there's slippage? What if your quarterback can't execute like that? Then what is your identity? What do you fall back on is what I'm trying to get to. Um, So to your point, Michael Thomas, let's say he's not there like he hasn't been, but it's one game. I mean, how, how is this team capable of winning five games and Drew doesn't play? So... There's still an identity, and there's still a way to do that. Um, so, yeah, him not playing, but he got three catches. In week one, he still scored 40 points. So that, that identity there, but what was missing between week one and two? Scott was the run game, which is nuts because they rushed for over 100 yards against the Raiders. They didn't rush for over 100 yards against the Bucks, But it sure felt like they ran the ball better. I think it was – And yeah. I was just going to say, you know – when you're when you get beaten time of possession by 13 minutes and you're down double digits yeah. late, you kind of throw yeah, it out but, the window. Yeah, but Scott, I, you're you're right to an extent, right? Because Sean Payne always says that, and that's why he always moves away. They were up 17-7. I mean, the Saints were up 17-7. It's not like they trailed the entire game, and they were up 17-14 before Drew threw the interception. Right, it snowballed um, for and, and, and even still. Right, and even still, you go down seven points in the third quarter, you still have a quarter and a half to go. My point is, it's just not what they wanted to do that game. Um, Conversely, 
with the Raiders, you heard Sean Payton talk about it last week, that they have a staple in every Gruden's offense is a physical run game. You look at the Packers this week, they're talking about balance, having two running backs that he can depend on, on uh, Jamal Williams and also Aaron Jones. So I'm, I'm just hearing these other teams that are their offenses are playing well, and I'm looking at Sean Payton and you know, we got to look at the film and the tape. You have the players. So, Scott, I mean, you're right. Missing Michael Thomas is key. He had three catches in week one. The defenses took him out. Now, by doing that, maybe it opened up everything else. By him not having there, it makes it tougher. But that's where you adjust. Screen games, using, I've been saying this forever, look, Tavius Murray can catch passes out the backfield. I have seen the plays during training camp. They're not calling them. Um, running screens, using Kamara Moore. I mean, Jari Evans was tweeting. Delvin Bro was tweeting during a game that the Saints were having success running between the tackles, and then they simply just stopped doing it. Um, you know, when we talked to Coach Napier, we were watching the Cajuns get back into that game. They didn't throw it everywhere. They, they handed it to Mitchell, and he kept scoring and, and running and gashing people. So if one of your other best players is Alvin Kamara, you got to use him, is my point. So, um, I, 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 like I said a little bit ago, this is all fixable. I think just like Drew had a bad day in the office, I think Sean and the coaching staff had a bad day in the office and have to adjust. Um, having Michael Thomas will help, but that's not going to help stopping run shorts uh, or routes short. It's not going to help spacing. It's not going to help not using and utilizing your players to the best of their ability. It's not, you know, that's Taysom Hill, that's Deontay Harris. There's a lot of things this team didn't do. Um, in that game. So it, it's not just Drew's arm. It's not just Michael Thomas being there. Does he help? Sure. It opens up other things. But you can open up other things by the type of plays you call. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see how this entire team bounces back. It's not just a player. Great stuff, as always. Gus Cattengale bringing it this morning. At GCAT underscore 17 on Twitter. Host of the Sports Hangover ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Uh, and uh, catch him on CST, host of Arkansas Game Day. I know you'll be back in action with that as well uh, this weekend with uh, the SEC beginning their season tomorrow. Always appreciate the time, man. I'm glad. I mean it. I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, I know that uh, COVID-19 is no joke, so glad you recovered, and I'm glad you got your taste back. I'm sure as soon as you did, you finished all those cracklings (laughs) I sent you. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, uh, that was the weirdest thing of it all. I mean, uh, the headaches and the, the chills and things that that's what you get with the cold, but not not the flu, not anything else that I know of. Uh, your your smell and taste goes bye bye, and let me tell you, that is just a strange, strange. It messes with your head because it's it's yeah, it's when you would you wouldn't think of the the things that you would actually miss. It's easy to say, you know, I'm missing the taste of crackling, a cold beer. Uh, but not not smelling your neighbor cutting the grass, not smelling the, the body wash, the toothpaste you're using to brush your teeth, or you know things like that 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 you would think. I mean, my my son and wife were baking cupcakes, and I couldn't smell it. I mean that that's a that's a smell you smell everywhere, right? When somebody's baking a cake or cupcakes, I mean that that classic baking smell couldn't smell it, and it's it's uh it's very weird. Wow. Wow. Well, glad you got it back, man, and I always appreciate you taking the time, my friend. And I'm sure we'll be texting uh, probably Sunday night a little bit during the game, but I will talk yeah. to you next week, man. Sure. All the best to you and the fam, my friend. For sure, man. Take care. Thank you, Scott. You got it.